0: What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Thank you so much for joining with me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. And listen, I'm just going to get straight to the point. I've been reading a lot of your comments, all of them. They've been nice, great, but I'm not going to bore you. If you got a second, please give us a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. It helps with those three things you know about, search engine optimization, it helps with our ranking, and it helps with people finding the topics we talk about. That's it. Let's get in today's news. All right. First things first, I just want to give you a little heads up. And this was written by Suzanne and mustreadalaska.com. I encourage you to look at that. For those of you who are fans of Dennis Prager, those of you who may not even know who Dennis Prager is, I encourage you to read this article because Prager is going to be the keynote speaker at Alaska Family Council this spring for its fundraiser. If you do not know who Dennis Prager is, he's a very popular uh, radio host and he's the founder of PragerU, which provides some really, really good content, particularly in the conservative realm. And he's a good speaker. He's a well-educated man, very intelligent. Uh, but more than that, he's got some really good explanations on some difficult topics, particularly for conservatives that have a hard time understanding exactly how to articulate uh, complex conservative ideas. And that's kind of what he does. So U is an, an online... Uh, Sort of resource center for conservatism and a lot of other things too. It's not just uh, it's not just all about conservatism. Let me read you a little bit from his bio here. Uh, Dennis Prager show his social media fireside chats and extensive writings. Prager has reached billions of people and touched the lives of millions around the world. He is a calm conservative and a noisy and cantankerous. I can't believe I got that word right. World, the Prager show is heard by over four hundred affiliate iHeartRadio.com stations, including iHeartRadio.com and TuneIn.com, as well as various websites. Just short, short blipping about him. Born in Brooklyn, New York, Prager has authored nine books, and I'm reading this from the actual article, on subjects such as religion, happiness, morality, the left, Islam, and America. The Rational Bible is the first volume of his five-volume commentary on the first five books of the Bible, rooted in his extensive knowledge of Biblical Hebrew. The guy is super smart. Uh, Prager's an expert in communism, the Middle East, the left, and he did graduate work at the Russian and Middle East Institutes of Columbia University School of International Affairs. Listen, uh, I've listened to Dennis Prager for years now. Uh, Intelligent guy, has really fascinating guests, particularly on his radio show, but is very good at articulating, like I said, conservatism and some of those really challenging areas that you don't know about. He is... He is calm. He rarely gets crazy. But I think this is a great get, an absolute great get for the Alaska Family Council. And I'm fairly certain that the tickets are going to go quickly. So if you're interested in that, my suggestion would be to go ahead and go to um, the Alaska Family Council and order your tickets when they're available. Now, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just saying this. I'm not 100% sure that they're available right now. I am currently, as I am talking to you, stalling to see... If they are available, I do not see them right now. Nope, do not see them. But Jim Minery, who runs the Alaska Family Council, uh, has a really, th- this is a great get. I-, I think Dennis Prager is rational. He is not one of those like crazy, loud, bombastic. He's He said he is quiet. He just talks to you. He just wants to have those conversations. So I thought that's a great get for the Alaska Family Council. It's going to be a great event. And I think you're not going to be disappointed by Dennis Prager, even if you do not agree with him politically, even if you don't like his politics, even if you don't agree with the conservatism view that he has, or even some of the, the more nuanced views of conservatism and leftism and whatever you want to say. He's an extremely intelligent man, and he's not a guy that's going to scream and yell at you. What he does want to do is have a conversation. And as we've talked about on this podcast for a long time now, a long time, I, that's all I've been wanting. Now, I have no problem with having people on the podcast that have opposing views. The problem is getting them on here. That's the problem, is getting those individuals on here. Most of them do not even want to entertain the idea of having a conversation with somebody who disagrees with their political worldview or even maybe just their general worldview. And I think that's the biggest issue. Listen, I have conversations offline, not recorded, with people I don't agree with all the time. Sometimes we get a better perspective of generally what we believe and why, and other times we're just like, you know what, we're walking away from this conversation knowing this is probably going to be the first and only. But the idea is this, we do not screaming at each other, I'm not calling them names, they're not, at least to my face, certainly calling me names, but I do find that I appreciate a better understanding of the individual to understand why they believe what they believe. Okay. We're not having those anymore, and I think many of us can see that, and as a matter of fact, it sort of feels like we're being encouraged to not have them at all, like there's more incentive to remain in our echo chambers in a way and not around people who think differently and to keep within the idea, the the tribe of this is what we believe and only what we believe, and even if it's counter to whether it's science, and that, that extends to both sides, or whether it's a different framework of ideas, that might even be better. There's no conversation. And it's sad. Speaking of no conversation, it really does seem like all the hoopla from the assembly about health and making sure that we're rest up, and that's why they had to do this emergency ordinance because masking was going to be tremendous for us and so forth and so on. And man, they it felt like this was... This was the decision of our time, did it not? It was the decision of our time. If we didn't get this done now, you know what? It was so important that we were going to trick the public into thinking that they were going to be able to speak on a specific Wednesday and continuation of public testimony. Only to Tuesday, the night before that public testimony was supposed to resume, we just so happened to sneak in an emergency ordinance that was voted on. Yeah, all that talk seems to be just that. If you haven't got it now, let me just help you here. Everything in the political sphere revolves around politics. It's positioning for winning. It's positioning for winning. And that has never felt more real than when you're looking at the Anchorage Assembly. The Anchorage Assembly is almost willfully, I would say intentionally, tried to make it difficult for the Bronson administration to input specific directors and overseers of departments because the assembly just wants to make a point. And again, I could be wrong. The assembly could come out and say, this is not what's really happening. But it certainly feels like that. Key positions that are being nominated by the Bronson administration, individuals that are being nominated or individuals that have been working in an interim basis because the person that was in there before quit. And, and you can go back and forth. I know some of these individuals have quit just because working with the assembly has been such a pill. There has been so much red tape and hoops to jump through that it, it's essentially, hey, I'm actually not being effective at all. And this is a waste of taxpayer money and a waste of my time. If I'm here to supposed to fix this problem, and when I try to fix this problem, I am stopped at every turn. There is red tape put at every turn. And not only that, but the idea is that the assembly wants these things fixed now. However, they want it fixed their way, again, going back to my point about echo chambers, as opposed to looking at a different point of view, a different perspective, and possibly a better way to handle it. But no, we can't do that. No, 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 no. That's not how we work at the supermajority assembly. We want to do it our way. And if it's not done our way, then we're not doing it. Keep in mind, Bronson was elected by the majority. They liked his ideas. They want him implemented. Regardless if you like it or not, that's what the populace said. But how do we have these little tick for tat things. And this has been going on for a couple months now. Suzanne wrote about this on mustreadalaska.com. It's under the title, Health is important, but not that important to Anchorage Assembly, fixated on crippling Mayor Bronson appointees. And again, I'm willing to have an Assembly member on, outside of Jamie Allen and Crystal Kennedy, who can explain to me why, in a rational, logical way, why there's this continual back and forth when it comes to appointees. From the article. The mission of the Anchorage Health Department is critical in the era of a global pandemic with possibly more pandemics to come. But to the Anchorage Assembly, health is inevitably not that important. They've been unwilling to confirm a state, excuse me, Department of Health director for nearly half a year. Half a year. We're in the middle of what they've all considered as a pandemic. It's irrelevant what I think. when we're framing this conversation, keep in mind the assembly feels so empowered and feels that this pandemic and the COVID-19 crisis is so important to them that they're willing to forego any continued public testimony because they think you're just stalling. And so we need to push this ordinance through through an emergency ordinance. They have that view. And then when it comes to actually at this point, confirm a Department of Health director, nah, we're good, because you don't need leadership, right, in an area in which you say is critical. No, you don't need leadership. On Tuesday night's assembly agenda, the Director of Health here in Anchorage was up for confirmation. But at the last minute, an anonymous person lodged a complaint did you hear that? An anonymous person at the last minute launched a complaint. Now, keep in mind, the Assembly already kind of pushed David Morgan out as the director of the Department of Health here. So I'm going to butcher Joe's name, but Joe Geras. Grace, I'm going to butcher his last name. I never, I'm, I'm terrible at last names. But he's been in the interim director. And he's up for confirmation. Now, keep in mind, this is six months in the making that there hasn't been a director of the Department of Health here in Anchorage. But you know what? Not important. No, 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 not important. What's important is passing a mask ordinance. Not important. Having a leader directing an important and what you consider a vital part of this pandemic crisis is having a leader in the director position for the Department of Health. And yet here you go. Just keep pushing things and pushing things and pushing things. So what they did is, instead of actually looking at Joe and saying, hey, we need to confirm this person, they've been in the interim, let's keep this going. No. There's a last-minute complaint lodged. And so instead of actually going through the confirmation process, they did this. They decided to table that and take up the anonymous allegation in executive session at 10.30 on Friday. Even though Joe was willing to speak to the allegation on the public record Tuesday. There's no indication he will be confirmed on Friday or if his confirmation will be yet delayed. Guys, this is what I'm talking about. When, when we look at the gr- grand picture, the, the let's go with the 30,000-foot view, let's look at the big picture, whatever you want to name it, it is fairly obvious what's going on. It is all political positioning for the win. That's what it is. It's political positioning for the win. And it's political positioning for the win for your tribe. And this is a great example. There's no reason why this individual, Joe, who's been the interim director, would not have his confirmation taken up. And you know why? Because to deny him would look bad. That's why. The guy's been interim for a while now. You've already pushed out the previous director, which was David Morgan. This guy stepped in. He's done a great job. Our testing is still, and we'll get over that, we'll, we'll talk about this here shortly. We still have the highest testing rate, one of the highest testing rates in the country. We're starting to see the downturn of COVID cases. So this would look bad on the Assembly if all of a sudden they didn't confirm the acting director of the Department of Health. And let's keep in mind, let's keep in mind, this is the same Assembly who decided that when Austin Quinn-Davidson was appointed by those individuals, not by the people, to be the acting mayor, and that they would forego a special election. And not only would they forego a special election for the mayor, but they would forego actually getting somebody else into the assembly seat that Austin Quinn Davidson uh, had occupied. All that was okay. But no, let's continue to delay the confirmation of a director, an important leadership position within the Department of Health. Let's continue to just carry on as normal. Because why? Because you don't like Bronson's appointment? Because you don't want Bronson to win? Because this is just tit-for-tat second-grade garbage? I mean, I would love to have an Assembly member. I don't care who it is. Austin Quinn-Davidson, John Weddleton, Forrest Dunbar, Pete Peterson. I don't care who you are. Give me a better explanation of this. A last-second complaint? You've had all this time to complain, and now it's a last-second complaint? I mean, this is ridiculous. Listen, I would like to think, guys, and you help me out here. Would you agree that perhaps the Assembly looks at you and thinks you're just not smart enough to connect dots? That's what it feels like to me. It feels like there's such blatant disregard for the public Such blatant disregard for the intelligence of the public and such blatant disregard for actually moving forward and getting the government and our local municipality in action and actually enacting things. You know, we do have a budget we've got to pass. We do have things we have to look at. The homeless issue, the homelessness issue is still there. And yet we're just dinking around and making it harder for an administration to put leadership in place so that departments, divisions can start working effectively. It's ridiculous to me. Again, this is second grade garbage. This is, I just want to win, so I'm going to do what I want to do. And part of that reason is, at least in my opinion, part of the reason why the assembly is having a difficult time and and they're delaying right now is the fact that our COVID numbers are declining at a significant rate. At a significant rate. We're not talking one, two, three. We're talking significant rate. We're looking and seeing that ICU beds in many of the major hospitals are opening up. Right now you look at, at least on Monday, Alaska Native was open for ICU. We have regional open. Providence was near capacity. Central Peninsula open. Fairbanks open. We're starting to see a lot of the numbers decreasing on Monday, they only had 300 new cases. And here's the deal. What we're starting to see is a significant decrease in the curve. Right? So we were talking a lot about looking at the numbers and looking at exactly what's been going on in terms of how this What's the best way to put this. How this trend works when it comes to case numbers. Yes, we had a big, big increase, big increase uh, this time around, but it has decreased significantly. So on the 8th, you had about, was reported, numerous different outlets have reported different things. Here's the deal. Alaska is still one of the top states when it comes to testing, testing per 1000. Here's the deal. Alaska is still one of the top states in testing. We are constantly testing. It's insane. I mean, we are we are in the top 25%, maybe let's go in the top 15, maybe even 10% of testing. It's absolutely ridiculous. We test so much here. So, of course, you're going to see an increase in case counts. Of course you are. But as we're seeing now, we are starting to see a decrease and a downturn in a lot of the new cases that are presented out there. Suzanne wrote an article about this. It's pretty simple. Daily COVID case count, 300 new cases. And this was written on November 8th here, so uh, numbers are changing and fluxing actually every day but from the article the number of new cases of COVID-19 in Alaska continues to fall with 300 new diagnoses on Sunday November 7th of all tests administered the rate of positive tests is now at 7.6 percent when Anchorage was closed down in May of 2020 under Mayor Berkowitz the positive rate in the state was 8.5 Week over week, cases have dropped by 10%. The number of Laskins in the hospital with COVID-19 has also dropped to 139, with just 18 on ventilators. For comparison, on October 24th of this year, there were 244. While in October, the percentage of patients hospitalized with COVID went as high as 22% of all hospitalizations, the current percentage is down to 13.6. Just to give you a little bit of a... Numbers game here for history, a total of 138,161 Alaskans have been diagnosed with COVID since March of 2020. As for hospital capacity, most hospitals in the urban centers of Alaska now have beds available in their ICU units and non-IC units as seen at the chart above. And again, I would highly recommend you going to this article titled Daily COVID Case Count 300 New Cases. According to Becker's Hospital Review, Alaska ranks about in the middle of positivity rates among the states, with Florida at the bottom at about 2.9%. Alaska ranks with the third highest rate of testing per capita among states. Third highest. One of the least populated states is the third highest in testing. So clearly, clearly, When you have a high test rate, you're going to have a high positivity rate. And again, it always goes to this. My question always remains the same. And if you've been listening to this for a while, I think it's incumbent on you to have the same sort of response when people talk to you about this, is what are the numbers under the numbers? It's nice to see just generalities. You know, for example, 300 test positive for COVID. How many of those are breakthrough? How many of those, let's just break it down. How many of those are Unvaccinated. How many of those are vaccinated with two, um, how do I put this? How many of those are vaccinated with the Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, or Pfizer vaccines just with two shots, just with the initial shots? Then how many of those cases are actually individuals who have had the vaccine plus the boosters? One or two, I don't care. Those are interesting numbers to me. Those are what I care about. 300 is just like, okay, we have 300 people. Because at some level, you, you have to run out of vaccinated people to continue to blame. And like I told you before, it's a narrative setup. It's a narrative setup. What ends up happening is you just get this oblivious number. And, and the underlining subtextual commentary is all 300 are unvaccinated. And that's just not the truth. Particularly now, particularly now, that is just not the truth. so the question is the question remains what are the actual raw numbers? what's the distilled data that shows exactly what's going on? That's what I want to see unfortunately, I'm not seeing that one hundred percent, particularly in a lot of our mainstream media and the adN you know the adN writes again a headline I, I don't know you know I don't know what the editors who they are, but We have a continued reporter who is reporting on, specifically, it seems like this person's only job is to report on COVID in particular cases. And instead of reporting the numbers, because they keep decreasing and they're not at 1,000, they're not at 1,200, they're not at 900, 800. Now, yesterday, it's just Alaska reports another nine COVID deaths Wednesday as cases continue trending down. That's all I get. That's all you get. That's it. Now, if you can go into the article and read, you can start seeing some of these numbers. Again, not really deep into the actual data. It's it's fairly benign. A lot of these, like for example, when you go into the status of hospital resources in Alaska, they don't actually break down the COVID versus non-COVID patient percentage. They just give you, the occupied out of total capacity, which includes both COVID and non-COVID patients. But numbers are important, man. They are very, very important. And right now, we're not getting that. You're seeing a sharp curve from the seven-day total case rate. You're seeing a massively sharp curve. And yet, at the same time, we actually don't know why or what the deal is. We don't know if people that are testing positive are still continually unvaccinated or are they mostly vaccinated now we don't know any of that and that's the problem we need to see the the drill down data so if you're a person out there and you're like hey i'm getting bombarded with people telling me why aren't you wearing your mask or why don't you want to wear your mask or why were you fighting against a mask mandate or why you know whatever you got to ask them some serious questions about data well what are the data? What's You know, out of 300 people, how many of those people are actually vaccinated? Out of those people, how many of them would self-identify as somebody who is wearing a mask constantly wherever they go? A lot of these questions need to be answered. But that doesn't really matter. Because the reality is, and it seems like, again, I'm just talking about what I see. This is my commentary on the world. Here's the reality. The reality is it looks like. It doesn't matter What the science says, it doesn't matter what other countries have done, regardless if it's vaccinated over 80 to 90 percent of their population and seeing a tremendous outbreak or letting herd immunity take place like in some of the Scandinavian countries and seeing a much lower rate of infection. No, no, no. Those don't matter. What matters is the agenda of the current party in power. And right now that looks to be the Democratic Party currently. That might change in the midterm elections. But right now, the Democrats own the presidency. They really own the Senate, and they definitely own the House. But what I'm liking is what the governor is doing to push back against that, particularly in Alaska. Listen, I, I don't I don't know how else to say this to individuals who think they sh- who believe, who believe that they should just do whatever the government tells them. But there's a reason why we have many of the articles whether in constitution, whether the amendments, there are things that protect our freedom. And I don't understand why people feel the need to give that up so quickly right now. But Suzanne wrote a great article, and this was published yesterday. It's under the title, Dunleavy protests unconstitutional insult to personal freedom of healthcare heroes as Alaska joins another lawsuit against Biden. Let me just stop before we get any further. This is another great move by the governor. This is another great move by the governor. Whether or not you like Dunleavy, if you're a person who loves freedom, this is what you should be on board with. This is exactly what you should be on board with. The governor is putting the action to his words. I'm going to read from the article here because I want you to understand it. Calling a new federal mandate for healthcare workers an insult to personal freedom... To healthcare workers, Governor Mike Dunleavy joined a coalition of states Wednesday in a lawsuit seeking to block the Biden administration's effort to make healthcare professionals and providers force their employees to take the COVID 19 vaccine. Here we go again. Here we go again. Gross overreach of the executive branch. But what's to be expected? It goes on to say a new center for Medicare and Medicaid service rule forces COVID vaccine for almost every full-time, part-time, volunteer, or contract employee working in healthcare settings that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding. So I told you this was going to happen. If you remember, almost a month ago, I said this on a podcast, that once they start mandating businesses, what's going to prevent them from actually going after people who have and utilize federal programs, Right? Now, they started here, which says this. They started with actual organizations, hospitals, that utilize Medicare and Medicaid as a funding medium. You know where this ends? If you're on Medicare or Medicaid, you will not receive your benefits until you get the vaccine. Mark my words, it's coming. It's coming. Now, Many, including Dunleavy, and I'll list off the states here as well. It's many of these states you've heard of before because they're a part of the other lawsuit that Dunleavy and Alaska joined as well when it comes to the just the general vaccine mandate enacted by the executive order of Biden. But in this sense, I am telling you right now, they're, they're just chipping away. So you start with the organization and you end with those who utilize the service. That's how it's going to work. This is exactly that's gonna mark my words right now. November, let's see, November tenth, mark my words. It is going to happen. You start with the organizations that utilize the federal services and programs, you end with the people who are actually enrolled in them. It's gonna happen. Quote, this new rule is an insult to the personal freedoms of the healthcare heroes who have been critical to Alaska's response to the COVID 19 pandemic, said Dunleavy. This is unconstitutional, yet another example of the Biden administration's overreach on issues that should be left to states. I 100% agree. This is a federal overreach by the executive branch who is known for doing this. And listen, I told you that right now the left playbook, the Democratic playbook is this I don't care. If it actually is unconstitutional, sue me. Sue me. That's been the response for the assembly that's left-leaning. That's been the response for the federal government. Sue me. Because they know it takes time. And you know what? More organizations and federal programs are going to be willing to actually listen and abide by those mandates, even if they're unconstitutional. Here's the end question. If the administration loses these lawsuits, man, whew, the government and all those organizations, I don't, I don't actually know. I would be interested to bring a lawyer on here to talk about this. But if they lose these, these lawsuits, do organizations and the federal government open themselves up to a massive suit? I don't really know. I, I don't I, I have no idea, but man, it would be interesting. Alaska Attorney General Craig Taylor, an attorneys general from nine other states, filed the lawsuit in the U.S. District Court of the Eastern District of Missouri. Let me read you a little bit of the states that are involved. In addition to Alaska, the states in the lawsuit are Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota. Wyoming, if you feel like, man, those, those states seem very familiar, a lot of those signed up on the last lawsuit that Governor Dunleavy joined based on just the general mandate the Biden administration had enacted using OSHA. So here's the deal, guys. Here's what this breaks down to. Here's why I think this is a great move for Governor Dunleavy. Because Governor Dunleavy has been consistent throughout this entire Pandemic. He's been consistent. He believes personal freedom is the best way to operate. When we had no idea what was going with the pandemic, he decided to provide structured, good, and well-intentioned, for lack of a better term, guidelines for many of the people. Many of the people in Alaska. He helped organize. He made sure that Alaska was one of the first, I think it was the first state, to openly offer vaccines to everybody. I mean, the governor has done his part when it comes to this pandemic. You wouldn't think that from a lot of people on the Democratic and left-leaning side. You would think that this guy has done nothing. No, Alaska is just the most tested, or one of the most, I guess third, highest tested states in the country, even though it's got one of the smallest populations in the country. Alaska was the first state to openly allow anybody to get the vaccine, including when they made it available for young adults. And yet here we go. We don't like the fact that the governor, who is conservative and Republican, is getting all these wins. And so he's being attacked constantly. We need leadership. We need leadership. Leadership knows two things. One, when to act, and more importantly, when not to act, over to overreach is a better way. The problem is, is the Democrats and a lot of people on this, and I'd love to have this conversation with them, it feels like they want overreach. And what we forget is this, when COVID broke out in spring of 2020 into the summer, the idea was lock everybody down. And the problem with that, that, you want to know why we don't have any more, quote, lockdowns? Is because the science showed That lockdowns were the worst thing to help prevent this pandemic. Nobody was getting sick walking on a trail or walking around their neighborhood. That was not happening. The virus was heavily based on solid surfaces and being enclosed. Lockdowns were not the thing to do. The governor was not advocating for lockdowns. The governor was advocating very much in alignment with what's going on in Florida. And if you notice, yes, Florida had their peaks and then came down rather quickly, but there was no lockdown. There was no mass mandate. No, but places like Anchorage decided that they were going to enact and put in lockdowns and mass mandates. And this is the problem. The governor has actually done a fantastic job. Moving forward, the left doesn't like it because the left wanted control. And the governor wanted to provide personal freedom to decide, do you want to mask up? Great. If you don't, great. Do you want to get the vaccine? Great. If you don't, great. No, no, no. Many, including a lot, who represent the municipality in Anchorage, districts in Anchorage, the assembly, and before Mayor Bronson's administration, the previous administration's, wanted control, they want control. And the governor has done a great job of providing just enough balance without overreaching and overstepping personal freedom. And those of you who look at it from a bigger picture with not the eyes of which you believe your party needs to win, but look at it from, hey, let's see how this has really ended up. Let's see what the wins were for the Dunleavy administration. You would see that Dunleavy has actually done a pretty great job of managing through this entire pandemic. And I know that's an unpopular opinion with many on the left, including many that represent specific districts and Anchorage. But the truth is this, he has. You just don't want to give him the win. So let's go full circle. The reality is, is that it doesn't matter if he kept the. Let's just say he kept the the pandemic count down to under 100,000 people. Let's just say 150,000 people. It wouldn't matter. The fodder would be this, 50,000 people. Yes, one death from COVID is one too many. Yes, getting sick and being on a ventilator and hospital, yes. But the actual governance of what was going on, the availability, the accessibility the quick supply chain, the opportunity to have personal freedom in your decisions. Don't forget, my friends, the luxury of that. Because I tell you this, once the left doesn't have the freedom to choose, I guarantee you that tune will change. For those of us, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, and you feel like personal freedom and choice is what you want, And I've met many, I've met, hey, listen, let me just be honest here before I close up. I've met Republicans who believe that everybody should be vaccinated. I've met Democrats who believe that it should be your choice. So it's, I'm generalizing here. But I can tell you this, Don Levy has done a great job if you look at the totality of this pandemic. And I know a lot on the left and a lot of people do not like that. But the reality is this, he has kept guardrails around Alaska without stripping people of their personal freedom. And if you can't look at that and go, you know what? He's actually done a a pretty good job. Then what you're doing right now is you've got your glasses on and you just want your tribe to win. You just want your tribe to win. All right, guys. Well, that's it for me. It's been another exciting day, but here's the deal. We've got a couple more podcasts coming down this week. And uh, what I want you to do right now is on our Facebook page under this post, give me some topics you want to hear more about. What are some things in in your world that you want to hear more about? The best way you can do that is under the comment section on the post, on our Facebook page. Go ahead and just leave me a, just, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. I'm going to have Suzanne Downing on the podcast this week as well so we can touch on some of those topics. But hey, if you want to see more content if you want to read more content, if you want to hear more content, the best way you can do that is by supporting Must Read Alaska. Just go to mustreadalaska.com, look up at the top right corner and you're going to see a donation button up there. Go ahead and donate. Every little bit counts because it's extremely important that we continue to give you the full rounded view of what's going on, not just one biased opinion, okay? We want to give you all sides of what's really going on. And frankly, I think we do a fairly good job for the most part of being as close to center as possible. So I'm really proud of our team, Suzanne Downing, our fearless leader, John Quick, who does all of the back-end stuff and hosts our Monday podcast with Suzanne. I ride the coattails, man. It's been fun. Also, if you haven't, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. We got Parler, MeWe, Rumble. We're all on there under the same handle, which is Must Read Alaska one word. Well, guys, it's been a fun day, but until next time, take care.